Open your Bibles up to John chapter 2. This morning, asking the Lord on what to share is, uh, uh, is important. And uh, this week, as I was just in my office, I was just meditating over some things. And um, this isn't in your outline, but it's just a thought that will tie in with this. And, uh, but as I was meditating this week in my office and just doing some studying, uh, years ago I, I, I did a, a message on, uh, on attitude. And uh, there's just a thought that our attitude always determines our altitude, where you go in life. Attitude is everything, how you adjust. And, and, and if your attitude can be altered or changed, always having a great attitude uh, is so important. So attitude uh, always determines our altitude. And uh, so through that, promotion uh, comes from the altitude of your attitude. How high is your attitude? How do you carry yourself? How do you respond under pressure and doing all that stuff in situations or dealing with people? It's so important. If you look back at the life of Joseph, his attitude through what he endured is what got him from the pit to the palace. Amen? Um, David going through what he do, just being there, you know, just serving and doing whatever, and then people misunderstanding, Saul throwing spears at him, running, hiding in cave. His attitude is what got him out of the cave into the palace and that. And you look at everybody's life. Look at Jesus and how he comes. He just comes ministering to people, and every time he's ministering, people are trying to run him out of town. They're just plotting to kill him, and he just keeps loving people. Attitude is everything because there's places that when, when when you get back through life you find this is that as as you go through you go man I don't understand what I'm going through but sometimes when you get to the other side of what you're going through you understand that God actually had to take you there to get you to where you are today that if you tried to get it some other way and then he also had to put the people in your life that tried to bring your attitude down Say, God, can we just like get some other people around here? <laughs> I mean, know what I'm saying. You get it there, God, what's up with that? But through those people, you see how God uses and how he orchestrates and does things. So it's so important just to remember that and be encouraged. And this morning, I just want to share this, just a few thoughts with you and encourage you and pray with you this morning in this area. And the title of this message is that if he can then he can when it comes to the Lord Jesus that 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 if he can do this then he can probably do anything in our lives and just remembering that if come on if God can create the universe and create everything we see if he can do that then he can probably help us with our situation amen our, our whatever we're dealing with is life it's probably not beyond the scope of his potential Amen. Sometimes it feels, our, our circumstances feel so huge and so large that we think, man, how's God ever going to fix this? Okay. John chapter 2 and verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana. John's an interesting gospel. I'll, I'll challenge this. We did it a few uh, years ago and went through this. But I challenge you, go back and read through the gospel of John because John breaks it down on this day, the second day. The third day he's referring to, this is the third day after Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist at the River Jordan, just three days later. Because when you get to the, some of the other gospels, there's a difference between the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then when you get to John, it's different. 
different. John is a very personal writing of the account, just so much different in his writing and, his, and, and the way he presents things than the synoptic gospels. But John breaks it down the, the, the day just about, then the next day, and now we're at the third day after his baptism. But in Luke chapter 4, it says immediately after he was baptized, he went up into the wilderness. But it wasn't that immediately. It just kind of seemed like that, but there's a lot of things that take place. And so John gets a little more chronological presentation here. So on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and disciples, his disciples were invited to the wedding. Now, let me just pause here just for a second. The reason I'm saying that, because Jesus is going to make a statement to his mother and say, and it's not my time yet. Because he had not gone into the wilderness, he hadn't come out with the anointing with power, and so in that, Jesus said, hey, you know, you're kind of pushing the envelope here. Let me just share with you that when faith pushes the envelope with God, God loves faith. He loves it when your faith, when your expectation, when your confidence in him even pushes him beyond his timeline. Are you with me? God, God, God sets things, and we talked about it on Tuesday nights. We're studying on covenant and the timing of God. But God pushes the envelope. He, he, I mean, he'll respond to you pushing the envelope of his timeline, and you can even cross that barrier. You don't have to wait till the appointed time. You can kind of get it right now. Amen? And that's what Mary does. And so when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, said to him, they have no wine. Now watch this. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? How many of you felt like that was God's answer to your prayer? <laughs> huh? <laughs> You're praying to God. He goes, so? <laughs> I get that. She knows this is the Son of God. She knows. I, come on, dude. I was minding my own business. Next thing you know, I'm pregnant with you. I know who you are, and this is the situation, and so you need to deal with it. Hey, what's that? You know, we've all felt that. Amen. And he just said, my hour is not yet come. This is pre-wilderness. That I haven't been to the wilderness. There, there, there's things that haven't been completed. You're pushing me and, uh, in that. And his, mother, and, and his mother just blows it off. I love Mary. She blows it off. Forget it. Watch it. And his mother said to the servants, whatever he says you to do, do. Do it. And so he goes, hey, you know, it's, hey, it ain't happened. And she just goes, hey, whatever he says. And then she just leaves the room. How many know moms are like that? Amen. Watch what happened. It says, Now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw out some now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from. How I many know that's a good thing? <laughs> but the servants who had drawn the water out knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests are well drunk, then that which is inferior. But you have kept the good wine until now. Verse 11, this is the beginning of sign Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Father, this morning I thank you, Lord, that you're going to do something by your Holy Spirit right now in each and every one of our hearts to stir our faith, to believe that, Father, that we can break through and place a demand upon 
your word concerning our lives, Father, that now is the time. We don't have to wait, but Father, our faith can break through the barriers, can break through the circumstances and the situations and receive an answer from you right now. So Holy Spirit, come and do your work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, now let me just kind of set this. If you, according to the custom of the Jews, there's six water pots there. And so what that means, and these are big, tall urns, that when you came in in those days, they don't have running water. Okay? So the way you purify yourself is you come in and you begin washing in the first pot and then the second pot. And you kind of get all the way down. By the time you get to the last pot, this is the, the last one is the cleanest one. So it's a final rinse cycle. Okay? In the sixth pot. And so these are the wash pots, and so as the water's going down in them, they keep filling them up. But then all the dirt that everybody's washing with, you wash your hands. All that sediment's going to the bottom and everything. So these are washing pots. So it's kind of like going to the bathroom and say, hey, draw the water out of the latrine and then take it to the mat. Because we're just clean. How I many know what I'm saying? And so it's this cleansing, this washing water that is there. People are washing their feet and their hands and doing this whole. And then you go into the, in, into the area there of, of the feast. But in those, that's the pots that Jesus said, fill those and then draw that out. And the wine, that's where the wine's coming from. He, he didn't like call, you know, Bevmore or whatever. He just said, it's coming from here. You know what I'm saying? All right, so keep that in mind. And, and that's the, the, the power of the miracle. And even in that, in the things from an unexpected source, you would never, how many would have, you just wouldn't think that God would do that. Or the Lord would do that, okay? To answer this need, and many times that's what happens with that. We think with God, with God bringing an answer into our life, we're too confined in how he's going to bring our answer. And so if you get outside that, that, that realm, God, how are you going to do it? Just believe that he's going to move on your behalf. Just stand there that God said it and believe that he will move on your behalf. Look, at in our world today, there are multitudes who stand in pulpits and upon platforms to deliver speeches and dissertations on every subject imaginable. War and peace, rights and freedom, politi- politics and education, economy and taxes, growth and development, the environment, abuse, neglect, even faith and our future. The list is unending and so are the messengers. In our world, we're surrounded by a multitude of voices and so-called leaders and promoters of truth, yet none can offer with confidence an answer. There are sports heroes, rap singers, movie stars, Hall of Famers, political pundits, and teachers on every level, but none can compare to the one who is above all and over all. See, I'm glad to say that I have but one topic. All these years, I just have one topic which will never be exhausted, which brings the answer to every situation, to every problem for every life, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen? There's not all the other opinions. It just doesn't matter. So this morning as we read, I want you to understand that if He can, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, and I want your faith to be encouraged this morning. I want you to believe no matter what's going on, as Cole was praying, and just had that word of knowledge of people carrying a heaviness and a burden and deal with situations. Remember that if Jesus can turn water into wine, out of these pots, if he can move in that situation, if a mother can push him out of his appointed time and make him respond to her need at her time, amen, then he can do great things in our lives as well. So if he can turn water into wine, he can do anything.
So how did Mary know that she could make such a demand on him? How did she know? And I think that's something that, that, that really speaks to our hearts this morning. It's so important that we know that we can ask and receive. Amen? 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence that we have, that if we ask anything according to His will, that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, then we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So there's a confidence that is to belong to us, and we need to know that, that God has declared certain things, and when we're asking according to His will, we're not being presumptuous, we're not being lustful, we're not being covetous, but we're just asking according to His will. We can know. So how could she have this confidence? Why? Because she had heard the word of God. The angel Gabriel came to her. She heard that word. The next thing was she received the word. And that's a key to us. There's a difference between hearing and receiving the word. We receive the word when it gets engrafted into our life. It literally becomes a part of us. James 1 says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. So the word becomes a part of your life. You live by it. It shapes your life. It transforms forms the way you think. How many would agree? So she heard the word, she received the word, and then she believed the word enough to begin to act upon it and to stand upon it. And then she observed the word as it grew, because Jesus was the word conceived in her, and the word made flesh. So not only did she, but the moment she received it, suddenly she felt life being planted in her womb. She realized, wait a minute, I'm pregnant. Women know when they conceive, they, they have that sense, something has happened, something's changed in my body. Mary feels that change. And so the word of God is produced life that's now being formed on the inside of me. That life Life is growing, that life is developing. And then she gives birth. She literally gives birth to the Word made flesh through her life. Wow. And then she watches him grow. Go with me to Luke chapter 2. Watch this. In Luke chapter 2, they go home. They've been to the, the temple there, and they're going home after being there. And it says this, and uh, beginning, if you would, in verse 47. And all who heard him were astonished at his teaching and his answer. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why is that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So here he is, Jesus, at the age of 12 in his ministry. Now she continues to watch the word grow and to develop and God working through his life. And we need to have that same perspective. And then she pondered all these things in her heart as she watched the word grow. And she had resolved in her heart when she first heard it, Be it unto me according to your word. Let me just encourage you this morning. No matter what's going on, when you're going through circumstances, just have Mary's resolve. Be it unto me according to your word. I don't have to understand how he's going to do it. Lord, we need more wine. This is the situation. This is the need. And I don't have to figure out, I think God will do this. If you did it this way, this would be a great way. That's the way we would fix the problem. But if we could figure out how to fix the problem, why are we asking him? 
Amen? So just leave it in his hand. Don't try to figure it out. Just say it. Be it unto me according to your word. Then next, understand this. There will be times of doubt and weakness in all of our life. The answer is yes. There's going to be those times. Everyone struggles to believe without faltering from time to time as we grow in grace and the knowledge of him. I have up days and down days. I have seasons where we go through that. God, what's this? What's up with that? But we just keep pressing. Amen? Just keep going. And every time I'm just going to go back to I tell myself man get yourself back in the word get your out like I said earlier get your attitude adjusted and get yourself back in the word get your attitude where it needs to be get your eyes off of circumstances eyes off of people eyes off of situation and just get your eyes on God your eyes back in the word of God and let your attitude be turned around and things change immediately listen to this will you always know what to do and what's going on the answer is no but our assurance comes from knowing that the word will never change Hebrews 13a Jesus Christ the same everybody say the same The same yesterday, the same today, and the same tomorrow and forever. Amen. God is not going to change. He says, I'm the Lord your God. I do not change. That is such a great assurance and a confidence and an anchor for our souls to hold on to. Think about it. The Word became flesh. It was sown, as I said, in a heart received by faith and became the answer. Watch it. Through all of that, through this whole situation... Here Mary's come, she watched it grow, she had received it, and it grew, but then the word that she had received was becoming the answer to her petition. Wow, I love it. I love it. See, in our lives, the word is causing our flesh to become the word. Jesus was the word made flesh. In your life, in my life, we are flesh being conformed to this word. Do you understand that? That when I allow the Word of God to so work in my life, the transformation, don't be conformed, but be transformed. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. Christ is the living Word. We are to allow this Word to come in and change it so we become and the Word begins living and expressing its life through us. When we allow this to happen, we begin to see and receive every promise and provision of the Word come to pass in our life. Come on, God's Word will not fail. Amen? The Word of God is not going to fail. Never forget the source of your faith. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So we look at that. Well, where's my faith come from? I, I need more faith. I need to be encouraged. I need, wait a minute. Jesus is the one who authored it. He is the one who's going to finish it. So when I just keep my eye and keep this, Jesus is the living Word. So when I get back, if you're struggling, man, get back in the book. Get back in the Word. Get the Word of God living and thriving in your heart. Amen? So think about it. And then next, understand this. His word is the seed of our faith. His word is the seed of our faith. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on, this is the word that we declare to you. The word of faith that's in your heart and it's in your mouth. And we declare that. Amen? And then we have the same spirit of faith and not fear. Paul told Timothy, God had given, the, 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 uh, given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And we have a spirit, this Holy Spirit of faith. And then the Word will become flesh in our lives just as well as we said. And then remember that the devil, get this, if you, if you get nothing out of this, remember that the devil uses fear the same way God uses faith. 
The devil uses fear the same way God uses faith in your life. How does he do that? He comes with the word to you. Fear always comes with the word. You hear somebody say something, something's communicated to you. It always comes. So it comes by a word to you. And he gets you to hear something. He gets you to receive it. He gets you to believe it. And then he gets you to speak in agreement with it. Are you with me? That's exactly how it works. So the devil uses fear as the opposite of faith. If he can get you in fear. But people in fear are doing the same thing. He said, why are you afraid of that? Well, I heard... And that's why it's important to, to guard what you hear. See, and write this down on the side. I've said it over and over, but through the, we forget all word is seed. Every word is a seed. Words are seeds. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 4 when he taught the parable of the sower. And, and then at the end of that parable, he said to his disciples, and he's explained it to them. This is what Jesus said to his disciples. If you don't understand this parable, you won't be able to understand any of the rest of them. If you don't get this, the parable of the sower, the sower sows the word. And that word gets into the heart of people. And depending upon the condition of the heart determines the harvest of the word of God. Are you with me? That's what determines our harvest. And so what the enemy does is he sows words that affects the condition of the soil of our heart. And if I hear the wrong words, then it makes me hard, it makes it hard to receive this seed. Because words condition our heart. It's amazing, when I'm just hearing the word of God, my heart gets enlarged. My, it begins to, my faith begins to grow. I begin to, it's, it's kind of like purging, it's like weed pulling. I mean, a good garden, David, tell you, that the, the condition to a good garden is how you prepare the soil. It's, it's not just the seed you put in. You can have the best seed that you could get and put it in junky soil, and it's just not going to grow. So the soil is the condition. And so the devil knows, man, if, if I can contaminate the soil with fear and doubt and unbelief, when the word gets sowed on there, and that's exactly what the parable of the sower is, 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 is that it destroys the, the harvest by contaminating the soil. And so the devil uses fear the same way that God uses faith. Again, he gets you to hear it, he gets you to receive it, to believe it, and then to speak. But understand this this morning, that if he can turn water into wine, he can turn failure into success. You look at the life of Peter, what happened? Here's Peter. Peter's trying. He, you know, Peter's like us. And, and here's a great revelation. Peter goes through his whole life and following the Lord, and he's doing everything out of his own strength. He's serving God out of his own strength. He's making his confessions out of his own. Though everybody fails you, I will never fail you. I'll die for you. But it's coming out of him. It's not coming out of the life of the Spirit that God has for him. I mean, know what I'm saying. It's just, but, but he has this zeal, but it's coming out of his own strength. It's not coming out of the life of God in him. And so when he's pressed, he fails in his own strength. But then on the day of Pentecost, something changes. And he rises up and he's a changed man. And, and he goes from not being able to keep his word to being able to be crucified upside down because of his commitment to the Lord to give his life. It's amazing that 11 out of the 12 apostles actually... Gave their life. Amen. John the Baptist was the only one. It was just because they couldn't kill the dude. I, I'm not John the Baptist, but I mean John, uh, John uh, the, the, the apostle, because man, they boiled the guy in oil. I can't even imagine that. 
What's it like to be placed in, in oil to kill you and then you come out and not die? I mean, that dude had, had some tough skin. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I don't know. But they bring, and then they put him on the Isle of Patmos and there he's on this isolated rock and God working in his life. But think about that. He turns Peter failure into a success. He turns grief into joy. J. Iris comes in and says, my daughter is dying. Here's a father grieving for his daughter and Jesus turns that around and he goes in there and says, your daughter's not dead and everybody, he get, they get to the house and, and everybody goes, she's dead, don't bother him anymore, she's dead, why bother the master anymore? Jesus, Jesus turns to J. Iris and says, keep believing. Keep believing. Come on, if he can turn water into wine, he can turn your grief into joy. Amen? And then he goes in the room with Peter, James, and John. And I love this. I heard a, a, a minister say it the other day. The reason he took Peter, James, and John and those three disciples into that room, because he knew they needed to see something that they would be willing to give their life for. And so seeing that little girl raised from the dead, they need to know that, because they were going to be asked to give their life for what they believed. So he turns grief into joy with J.R. He turns despair into hope. Uh, 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 Cole talked about it with the women with the issue of blood. That after all those years with that flow, giving all their money to doctors, becoming broke, and, and, and not having any hope and finding any answer, and just one touch of his garment turns her despair into hope. He turns doubt into faith with the father. In Mark chapter 9, here's the father with the demon-possessed son, and there's no answer, and he throws himself, Lord, if you can do anything. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible. He said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. But he turns his doubt into hope again and into faith again. Amen? He turns bondage into freedom. Here's a woman in Luke 13, and she's bound over that Satan is bound these 18 years, and yet Jesus looses her. He turns bondage into freedom. Come on, if he can turn water into wine, he can do all this for you as well. And then he turns captivity into liberty. Think about it. The man with the, with the legion of demons is sitting there. Nobody can tame him. Nobody can hold him. Nobody can help him. But just Jesus comes along in one encounter with Jesus. Changes his life. Come on, what can God do for you? I'm just trying to help you see. God has done so many amazing things. And the Lord has worked in so many lives that when we're facing situations, you can have great confidence and you can have great hope. Think about it. If he can turn water into wine, he can turn rejection into acceptance. In Luke chapter 7, here's the woman comes in. Here's Jesus is in the house with Simon. He's been invited to, uh, to, to the Pharisee. He's there at a dinner party. And she comes in, creeps in, and begins to wash his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair and anoint them with oil. When nobody else had given him a proper greeting, here's a woman comes in. And then Simon the Pharisee is looking there and says, if he's thinking, if he knew what manner of woman she was. So they're, they're rejecting her. They're judging her and rejecting her, but Jesus turns her rejection into acceptance. And he just turns to Simon and says, Simon, when I came in, you didn't give me any water, you didn't anoint my head with oil, and you gave me no kiss of greeting. But this woman, since she's come in, has not ceased to wash my feet with her tear and dry them with her hair. She has anointed me, and she has been not ceased from kissing my feet. And he says, those who have forgiven, forgiven little, love little. But those who have forgiven much, love much. He says, woman, your sins are forgiven. He turned her rejection into acceptance. Wow. What can he do for us? Amen? 
And then what about judgment in depart? The adulterous woman caught there being ready to be stoned. Jesus turned her judgment into a pardon. What about the father's son when he comes down off the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus delivers that father's son? What about weakness into power? The apostle Paul said, you know what? I prayed to the Lord three times. And I said, Lord, could you remove this torment from my, my life, this thing that's persecuting me? And Paul said, I begin to pray. And the Lord says, my string is made perfect through your weakness. When you're feeling weak, and I want to encourage you this morning, whenever you're feeling weak, God, how am I going to do it? How am I going to make this happen? We're going to find it. Paul says we're a candidate for his grace. You're a candidate for the grace of God. And Paul comes away from that encounter with God. He says, you know what? From now on, I will glory in my weakness because whenever I am weak, that's when the power of Christ comes upon me and enables me to go beyond my limitations and I walk in his power. I don't have to do it by my strength. Wherever you're going through, you don't have to go through it by your strength. You don't have to go through it by your own ability. God's grace is available to you. If he can turn water into wine, he can turn your weakness into strength. Amen. Think about it. And the most powerful one is 2 Peter 2.24 that declares that by his stripes, what? We were healed. So if he can turn stripes into healing, what can he do in our lives as well? Wow. And then if he can turn water into wine, think about this. He can turn bitterness into forgiveness, corruption into incorruption, mortal into immortality, death into life, darkness into life, and the impossible into possible. Amen? I need the worship team to come back. I want to play that song uh, that, uh, yeah, I was made for war song again. I'm ready, to, I'm ready to kick some devil hiney this morning. Hey, Ben. I'm just tired enough to stomp on the devil's face. Hey, Ben. Now watch this. Stay with me while they're coming. Come on, if he can turn water into wine, he can turn a tomb into a bedroom. That's what he did. John chapter 11, Jesus gets to report, hey... Lazarus is dead. And all, all the disciples begin to weep. And, oh, no, not our friend Lazarus. Where are we going to go for lunch now when we go to Bethany? <laughs> Whose house are we going to stay in? Lazarus is dead. Well, we lost hospitality. Amen. So Jesus, said, Jesus looked at him and said, he's not dead. He is sleeping. Jesus turned the tomb into a bedroom. Are you with me? Think about it. Just think about that. We, see, th th this is what gets it, and, and this is what I don't like. We, we hear it all the time. Well, you know, there's a story in the Bible. There's no story in the Bible. The Bible is not a book of story. It's a book of factual account, what God did intervening and working in man's life in the earth. These are accounts. These are not story. These are literal, factual truth and account. Lazarus was literally dead. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Turning water into wine is nothing. I am the resurrection. And so he says to Mary, Lord, if you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. He said, I said, if you believe. You will see the power of God. I am the resurrection and I am the life. Amen? 
Think about it. He can do, what else can he do? He turns the old into the new. He turns our poverty into prosperity. He turns a doubting skeptic into a believer. He turns affliction into reward. He turns the lost into the found. He turns dead into the light living. He turns a prodigal into a faithful son. Hear me. His word into seed is what he changes. That will be planted in our heart and produce a harvest for every need in every life, in every situation, for every circumstance. If he can turn water into wine, he can turn fear into faith, a sinner into a saint, faith into righteousness, and a storm into calm. That's what he can do. When you read your Bible, that's what you're reading. You're reading God's intervention, the power of the created Creator coming into His creation and bringing His answer at every moment and every need. And you can say, there are times when we feel like, man, this is going to have to take some time. But faith, when you get this like Mary, when the Word of God gets a hold of your heart and you believe it with everything that you are, you can even cross that barrier of time. God, I just need it now. And, and you just walk away going, it's going to to be done. I love Mary's resolve. Jesus goes, it's not my time. And she just goes, do what he says and walks away. There has to be that point in your life and us when it comes to God that we just say, I'm standing on his word and that settles it. I've made my potential. See, there's a reason we put these, these scriptures up here. Don't worry about everything. Let your request be made known to God. Jesus said, I tell you all things you pray and ask for. Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Mary knew something about Jesus. Knew, yes, this is my son. I nursed him. I birthed him. And, and I raised him. But he's not just my son. He is the living word of God. And she's placing a demand, not on her son, but on the living Word of God. And when you're praying, Jesus came as your answer. And there's that point where I pray, and then I just settle. This is done. And I walk away, just like she did, believing to receive your answer. Amen? Let's stand this morning. Watch this. Most of all, If He can turn water into wine, He can turn our lives into vessels that can be made new, filled with new wine, and the living water of His Spirit. See, like the father of the demon-possessed man, if we can believe, all things are possible. I want to encourage this morning, every one of us, Sue and I are facing situations. We're dealing with circumstances. Things go on not just with ministry, but our personal lives and everything. Come on, if we can believe, all things are possible. In every situation. Some of us are carrying weights. and Just in, in this first service right here, I can just sense some of us carrying weights, carrying burden. I want to hear Jesus. Look at the man. Here's a man in, in Mark chapter 9 coming to Jesus with his son tormented. Jesus coming down off of the Mount of Transfiguration. And here's this man expecting. And this is what's happened. To, so many times we've come in, in different situations. Maybe a church service. Maybe here. Maybe going to this place. But this man hearing about Jesus brings his son to his disciple. Jesus is up on the mountain with with Peter, James, and John, a transfiguration revealing his glory to them. And then as the the four of them come down off the mountain, here's this commotion going on down here. And Jesus said, what's going on? And the man says, I brought my son to your disciples, believing that they would be able 
to cast the devil out of him, but nothing's happened. Jesus says, how long will I be with you? Oh, faith. And he calls him faithless. He was rough on his disciples. He says, how long will I be with you? And, and, then, now, and Jesus says, bring him to me. And that's my invitation to you this morning. Whatever you've been carrying, you've been here, I did this, I tried this, it didn't work. And like the Father being discouraged, and Jesus says to the Father, if you can believe, all things are possible. Come on, I'm telling you this morning, just let all, everything else you've done, and right now, the invitation is, bring it to Jesus right now. Just bring it to Him right now. Whatever you've been carrying, whatever that weight, whatever that burden, whatever that circumstance, it might be healing, it might be provision, it might be a relationship issue, it might be a family issue. It could be any area of whatever it is that you've been carrying this weight and this burden. But if He can turn water into wine, He is your answer today. And we're just going to pray. Cole and I are here this morning. We're going to pray for you. As they begin to sing, if you would like us to pray and agree with you, we're just going to open up this altar. But let's just declare it this morning. Come on, you were made for war. Amen? We were made to be triumphant in Christ. We were made to have victory in Him. He's given us that authority. He's given us that power. So this morning, just make it a declaration. Believe that if He can turn water into wine, He's turning your situation around right now. In Jesus' name.